Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and I'm alongside, as always, me, <laughs> Casey Clapp. Yeah, boy. The other host, the host with the coffee, the host with the kombucha, the host with a host of things to say today, Alex. Wow. Good new year. Good new year to you, my friend. You're the you're the host with a host of things to say. I'm the host with a host of problems. <laughs> well, I guess if we just put those together, we come out uh, equal. I Nothing think so. New. In in the way that Jesus was the King of Kings, you and I are the hosts of hosts. Yes, in that same exact way. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, that metaphor very well said. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No. Honestly, really appreciate it. John Lennon did it first. What? Oh. Dang it, he does everything first. Casey. Alex. This is the very first episode of our new unseason. The unseason. How does it feel, everyone out there? Oh. Great response. The voices of millions cry out. Yeah, yeah, but in positive cries. You know, when someone's like, like, uh, uh, not crying like bawling, but like crying like out. Like an exclamation. Ah, yeah. Yeah. But on a good way, you know, like, yeah! On a, on a mountainside, yeah, in exactly. a rainstorm. Exalting us, hosts of hosts. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> the hosts of hosts. <laughs> Getting very biblical Hope all of a sudden. Uh, hoping this sticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, obviously. So, yes, Casey, so to, 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 to inform anybody who doesn't know, mm-hmm. uh, last year, 2021, That's right. it's the first year of our podcast, we did four seasons. Yeah, exactly. Much as you might do on a television show yeah or or in a fashion uh industry oh yes yeah yeah or of course the root of it was uh mother nature has yeah. four seasons that's, herself that's really where we where we ultimately come back down to every yes. time uh so we did you know we did a regular our first season we yeah. did our world tour second season world mm-hmm. tour third season uh classic where we just did a it was just our way of doing another season one yeah, exactly and then season four of course uh, uh, plant-based diet. Edible. I love that name. But now, 
We are done with seasons. Exactly. Case. Exactly. I, I, don't, I don't know, Alex. I feel a little bit like sort of, you know, there's a yoke that's been thrown off. Yeah. But at the same time, now the structure is is completely, <clears throat> you can play out there. You know, we can do anything. That's right. We're going to do some mini series, like uh, three or four episodes on a certain thing. We'll do yep. theme months. Yep. We're going to have a, a, a musical, um, probably. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. We'll have two-parters, you know. We're, we can do anything now, Casey. And might, might have a couple single-parters in there yeah some just sta- like this one just a standalone standalone it doesn't need uh, anybody next to it it's roots hold itself up that's right and i think i think it's apt that and i'm just putting this together that we're doing no more seasons because yeah. as climate change mm. ravages the world there will be no more seasons <laughs> oregon is slowly becoming a tropical climate with no seasonal change yeah. yeah that's that's probably accurate so here we are setting the trend yeah exactly we're just getting ahead of the curve you want to be caught behind you know yeah well, Casey, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, Alex. Thanks. This is um, exciting uh, that we're starting with this tree also uh, in New Year's, I just have to say. Yes. We well, talk- let's let's get right into it, man. All right. Well, well, actually, I mean, we do have one thing we want to do before. Oh, that's right. I'm uh, so sorry. Uh, that's totally all right. A lot has changed. Uh, I'm currently living in a yurt that's right. with my partner, Hannah. It is a delight so far. Um, but we've changed addresses, uh, so we, we a lot of stuff every now and then people are like, hey, we want we want to send you something so uh we get it during when i when it was all at at an address that was somehow related to me uh we always ended up getting like every now and then some things at the end of the uh last season we got a bunch of cones that i did an unboxing on instagram that's right um we've got mugs that we've showed off we got a table we got all sorts of stuff from our, our good friends out there you listeners and uh in the in our in our little intern period here, while we were moving some things around, and making some cool changes, uh, our friend Nick uh, at Fertile Frank is his uh, his at. He uh, he sent us some things because he heard that we were like talking about um, maple or sorry maple syrup, I believe it was. Yeah. And then the, he said, "Well, you know, you can get syrup from other trees." And we're like, "Yeah, we actually totally did know that. We wanted to get some from all these things." But I think when we did the maple. Uh, the maple season, mm-hmm. the maple episode. The, we, the sweet, uh, the sugar maple. The sugar maple. The sugar yeah. maple. But we were supposed to get all sorts of different things, weren't we? We were going to get like birch uh, syrup. Yeah, that was and all on our other docket. things. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it was seasonal and it just didn't work out. You know, we, at the time, our budget was uh, less than a shoestring. <laughs> And uh, now it's just approximately half a shoestring. Uh-huh. And so Nick graciously sent us free uh, free syrup from one black walnut. Yes, we have here a, uh, what would you call it? It's not a jar. A- it is. It's, it looks like a maple syrup jar, like the standard kind you'd get from like, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, at the store. But not, not, the, not the maple syrup that is like maple flavored syrup. No. Well, in this jugule, I have black walnut syrup, and it says sweet and natural from yeah. Linwood, Kansas. Exactly. The flavor of the Midwest, as Nick put it. That's right. It says chill after opening. It's eight fluid ounces of the yeah. stuff. Casey, we, as is now tradition, because exactly. we've done it twice, yeah. uh, on our sugar maple episode, we drank a shot of syrup, and we toasted it to the trees. Yep. We're going to do the same thing. We're going to toast it to the unseason, the yes. next season, the... Um, uh, what did you had another name for it, didn't you? My idea was calling it uh, completely arbitrary year two. That's right, year two off of some obscure television show that I didn't know. It was a it was a Batman yes. uh, comic. That's right. Sorry. About his year, his second year as yeah. Batman. God, well, sorry. Which I believe is what the new Batman movie is kind of based on. That's right. I think I heard that as well from yeah. you. In fact, well, there you go. There you are. I'm not a Batman person. I'm not even. A, I'm not a comic book person yeah, to, to quell any. 
Anyway, <laughs> Casey, uh, we drink this black walnut syrup mm-hmm. to you, to me, and to the trees. And to the trees. To you, Alex. Cheers. To you, everyone. Thank you, Nick. Wow. Zing. Ooh. Straight to the kisser. That I was mean, delicious. You know, I think I said this last time, drinking a shot of syrup is unpleasant. I disagree. But I just disagree. It tastes very good. It's mm. certainly a lot more tolerable drinking in that way than the the maple syrup. You think so? I think so, yeah. Wow, yeah. This is a much more, it's not as sweet. No. It's a little zingier. It's a little almost, more like a sugary. I think molasses was described as it one time. It tastes a little woody to me. Like it tastes like smoked almost. Yeah, I can get that a little bit. It's pleasant. Wow. Oh my gosh. Great taste. Thank you, everyone. Thank Thanks, you, Nick. Nick, for sending us yeah, that. We're going to shout out everyone. Go get maple syrup from Nick. Casey. Alex. This week, we are talking about a tree that I know, know almost nothing about. In fact, when you told me the name, I thought, okay. He, he got that wrong. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know what was special about it. Oh. But I, t- I think we're finding out today. We're talking yeah. about the Japanese black pine. That is exactly right. Pinus thunbergii. Thunbergii. Yeah, do you know Thunberg? I think actually they might pronounce it Thunberg. Is it German? Swedish. Swedish. It is named after Carl Peter Thunberg, okay. or Thunberg if you're from the United States of America. A Swede... Uh, can't pronounce anything. A <laughs> Swede tree, tree man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's a Swedish, uh, he was a Swedish uh, botanist and naturalist, and he ended up going out, and he did all sorts of stuff. I think he actually um, spent quite a bit of time in Japan, so he had ended up... Uh, I think he published a bunch of floras of different parts of the world. Mm. Well, Casey, let's imagine, as we do every episode, that you and I... Ooh, how about this? Oh. You and I are taking an afternoon stroll through a bonsai nursery. Oh, Alex. As okay. is the topic of today's tree. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I ask you, please, Casey, let's ID this tree. Yes. So the big thing about this is if you're, it's a, it's a pine tree, 100% the normal uh, pine. In fact, it's in the Pinus subgenre of pinus. So it's oh like wow! The type species of the type species of the type species. You kind know? of a kind of an alpha alpha male pine. Yeah, exactly. Or, or just like a, a clean a, bloodline. Yeah, it's a standard clean pedigree all the way through. It's a it's a pine tree. It's a pine tree's pine tree. I'd say. Wow. Okay. And the thing about it, it's got these these little needles. They maybe about uh, four inches long on average. They're in bundles of two, and their bundles of two are. Um, closely spaced and they kind of twist a little bit but they don't really go too wide they kind of stay a little bit shut Hmm. Um, and because of that they kind of give all of their um, twigs kind of a a weird kind of tufted look where everything's like pointed away and down okay a little bit so it just looks like um, the hair on every twig is staying straight up yeah straight up and then every now and then when you get them really tightly spaced they kind of grow more straight out so if you're walking through a bonsai uh, showroom or museum then you can find a lot of these Japanese um, black pines growing in these like little 
bunched kind of ways, but they're usually not very straight up. So they're not like a ponderosa or a lodgepole pine where they just go whoosh and mm. have a, a perfectly straight canopy and they you know, are big dominant trees. They tend to grow really windswept or kind of curved off on the side of a rock, on the side of a mountain, you know, next to the ocean. They can grow almost down into the sand. Like that's how ocean born these are a lot of times. You know what? They sort of, well, a, like a shore pine. Exactly. Really similar. Uh, I hope I'm not profiling here, but to me, it looks a bit like a Japanese maple, but they're like the pine ah, version. Interesting. That's they, a fun word or a fun way to, to, to think about this. Yeah. It's all, it's, it's twisty. And, and also, I'm seeing a lot of, um, a lot of Japanese black pines here in Google Images yeah. uh, that have sort of the same form factor where they have those big platelets of, uh, uh, of, of foliage. Yes, we're going to get to that. That's a, that is a specific style of pruning okay. both used on the Japanese maple and on the Japanese pine. That's what I thought, maybe. Yeah, but as well as many other species, but we'll get to that in a little while. Okay. Um, but let's see what else do we got here about this tree. So it, the big ones will have this really cool bark that specifically will have um, these long uh, longitudinal cracks that come up, but they also kind of look like they peel a little bit, but, but in kind of bigger plates. Yeah. So what's cool about it is they have kind of a really reddish, orangish underbark. And that underbark, like say on a ponderosa pine, you just pop off a couple of those little puzzle pieces and that, that outer under the under bark is exposed. You get that bright red, bright orange kind of color, right? Can I interrupt you for two seconds to say something? Yes. I've been meaning to say it for months. Go for it. We've gotten so much mail about this. What? And I, w- I want to say it and then I want to immediately move on. Okay. I don't want any reaction All or right. topic or discussion. The Ponderosa pine smells like vanilla. Casey, please continue. I won't say it dang thing moving on alex so this black this black pine <laughs> this japanese black pine bark i would categorize this we have a new maybe a new category we okay. have utility bark but i would say this is like alligator skin bark yes well okay so i would show i would say there there's other bark that's it would be like the definition of that category uh-huh. so i think that's i think this is fair but i i would put this as a hybrid between alligator skin and like um shaggy shaggy uh, there's there's a there's like a aesthetic I'm thinking of like um, imagine like some royalty from like Cairo in like you know the second century AD okay and they have like these shimmery plates all over this gorgeous long dress oh, okay and these plates kind of pop out like each one sewn individually mm-hmm. onto this this garment and then you walk but then let's say I don't know it gets hot they kind of bend up a little bit like they just kind of look like a bunch of little bits of shag coming off this like really elegant thing interesting that's what i see with this bark how random and a very good image good imagery i hope so i mean if, if someone's designing this you know as a costume send me a picture because i want to see it like, yeah like specifically i want to see all the bark costumes that come out this year halloween is only a short 11 months away <laughs> just out just just a smidge away well, it turns out that um, this bark is is really similar to the Japanese red pine. Okay. Um, the biggest difference between the Japanese red pine and this is that they don't. The Japanese red pine does not generally get um, long fissures that are going up longitudinally. Mm. They kind of stay uh, in these little plates, and they don't. They don't turn or they don't have these big long lines that you can see. Okay, so the black pine, this Japanese black pine, yeah, longer. Uh, longer streaks in the bark. Yes, correct. Okay. And then the uh, 
they also have the same orange underneath with this really light brown gray on the outside. When you touch it, it's just full of sensation, like all these little bits, but they're not really hard. So when you touch it, like the little plates can kind of bend, you know, you just push them a little bit, you can kind of flip mm. them and pull them off. Like they're not super intense or anything like that. Interesting. Um, and then of course, as a tree grows up, it does not keep that straight, perfect um, canopy. As the bark gets younger, it becomes more gray and more kind of normal looking like utility kind of kind of bark. The so, younger bark is utility? Yeah, younger okay. on, on younger stems or on younger trees at the base. And then it finds its purpose in its in its 20s. Exactly. It becomes an alligator. Yeah. Yeah. Trees become alligators. Wow. You heard it here first. Write that down, people. <laughs> well, the, the biggest thing to note about these trees, though, is that as they grow up, they uh, their new shoots have these really long candles. So the candles in pine trees are what they call um, the buds. So the terminal buds are called candles. Really? Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's fun. And if you look at, uh, well, if you look at um, the picture I'm looking at is actually from conifers.org, the gymnosperm database. Oh, wow. Highly recommend perusing everything about this website. And they have a, a specific entry on Pinus thunbergii, and there um, they show the foliage, including elongated shoots, is the picture that I'm looking at. And they have like these white, shaggy kind of like it almost looks like um, you know as a mushroom grows up and it has like almost white hairs on the stem that kind of just come off, like yeah, just kind of like that. it looks like that. Like it almost looks oh, like yeah. um, webs from a spider, yes. kind of covering the whole top. That was what I was going to say. It looks like is like a spider kind of just spindled around it a little bit. Yeah, it just kind of hung out, but then kind of left. Didn't really do much, but left its mark. A little gossamer yeah, covered. Exactly. Uh, that's the that's exact perfect definition. So anyway, these trees are like these gorgeous trees. They they can get pretty huge if you leave them in like the perfect uh, situation. But I love. Um, um, when they describe things on on like in old fashioned ways, hmm. um, because they always use like really specific terms, uh, like we would say, you know, this is a fair site or a good site. They're like, you know, on poor sites. And whenever I I read this from like someone citing it in like 1750, yeah, I always assume they mean like like. Poor sites, not in like, no, it's just like ecologically, it's a really rough place. Maybe it's dry, maybe it's rocky, it doesn't have a whole lot of nutrients or water. Mm -hmm. But whenever I hear from someone like that, I always imagine it's like, oh, it grows in poor neighborhoods. Oh. Like, I don't know why, but <laughs> I just always think that. I'm like, I just think that they're, it always makes me laugh the way I interpret it whenever I hear it. This is a poverty tree. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, this it's like a tree grows in Brooklyn. She's like, oh, yeah, you can tell the poor places because this tree grows here. <laughs> so I think it's kind of like the same thing here. I see. Interesting. Yeah. So that's that's my own little nuance just to add to it. So just so you guys know. And Casey, can we talk about, and I say this quite literally, this pine cone? Oh, we absolutely can. I... I love it. And hey, good use of the term pine cone, I have to admit. Thank you. Um, and just for anybody who's brand new to the podcast or brand new to trees, Casey and I have this ongoing campaign, this crusade, if you will. I think I would. Uh, it's not annoying, though. Uh, to get people to stop using pine cone as an umbrella term yeah. for cones on trees. It's not generic. Because there are pine cones from pine trees. There are also hemlock cones from hemlock trees. There exactly. are fir cones from fir trees. There are cedar Thank cones you. from cedar trees. There are, are spruce cones from spruce trees, Casey. The snozberries taste like snozberries. I couldn't have said it better myself, Alex. <laughs> I couldn't have. It's a cone generally from a conifer. Yes. And there are cones on non-evergreen. So welcome to everyone, the second season where everything we do is pedantic. That's right. <laughs> this, is our, this is our first first series we're going to do. It's just pedantic trees. Yes. Well, uh, 
yes, we can talk about this pine cone, very Wonderful. specifically from a pine tree from the genus Pinus. Um, they are adorable. They're very small. Um, they only get maybe about three or four inches long at most. Usually they're a little bit shorter. Mm. And they have like what I would call a classic like black pine where they're they're almost like the classic cone you could ever think of. Yeah. And what makes them classic to me is they, of course, as a pine uh, family species, they have a uh, central axis with spirally arranged cone scales coming off of it. Hell yeah. The cone scales are imbricate, which means that they overlap each other. So hmm. have you ever seen like a flower, like a rosebud? And when it's closed, you just see like this perfect little sphere. Then as it starts to open, it looks like literally there's a bunch of bits that are overlapping each other. And then yeah. when they expand, they fold out. Yes. That is what an imbricate um, style thing is where each one of those cone scales or petals or in this case, uh, cone scales, sorry, I meant uh, bud scales, um, they overlap each other. And then when they open up, they're all separated on their own sort of area. Are most cones not umbricate? Um, no. For instance, uh, the peltate cone scales of a lot of things in the cypress family. So any of the cypress, true cypresses, um, or anything in those families, most things in those families, I should say, that family, um, they have scales that come out oppositely arranged, oh, and they sure. look like they're, peltate means shield-like, mm -hmm. and that essentially means that they come out from a central thing, go out left and right, and are just out there like a shield would be held up. And so they don't overlap at all. They just close right next to each other. And then when they dry out, they open up. But it's more like a door opening where you have, or like, what am I thinking? Like an open sesame kind of door where it just goes goo goo straight open. Like a garage door. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. I'm like, what kind of door is this? I'm moving my hands <laughs> up and down. Like, there's so many kinds of doors. <laughs> Okay, so but this is not unique in, uh, among pine cones, is it? No. Or this, fir cones? Certainly not. No, this okay. is just a classic pine cone I got look. It. Um, where you, you, like, if you have a kid go out and be like, what's this? And I'm like, well, it's a pine cone. They, this is the definition that is in their brain. For sure. And so when you look at the, at the side of it, they have these little, um, like, almost diamond-shaped scales that are exposed then when they open up those all kind of separate out and bend up a little bit they have two seeds on each scale and then on the bottom if you look at the the bottom or in this case maybe the top of the cone where it actually connects uh that little peduncle connects to the branch uh -huh. you take at that you take a look at that bottom part and it's not very spirally looking. It certainly is spirally arranged, but when you look at the bottom of it, it just looks like a mess of little cones coming out or little cone scales yeah. popping out. But you cannot discern a very specific spiral pattern in it. Now, there is another black pine called the uh, uh, Austrian black pine, Pinus nigra, gets confused with this tree a lot. Interesting. And if you look at the bottom of Pinus nigra, it has that perfect little spiral. Oh. Yeah. So that is like the big the big like difference if you're looking between these two cones. The uh, Pinus thunbergii, a little bit smaller, a little bit more chaos. Okay. Whereas Pinus nigra, a little bit bigger, a little less chaos. I have a few words to say about this, black, this uh, Japanese black pine cone. All right. I love it. One, two, three, four words. It's incredible. <laughs> I love it. It's only three. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> How did I miscount that? I don't know. One, two, three, and then I was like, it, four. There we go. Okay, cool. You said I, that. I love it. <laughs> um, and I won't, I won't give my, obviously, we give our final thoughts at the end of the episode, but I will say, yeah. 
The Japanese black pine cone gets Croson's stump of approval. Wow, just like that. I love how it looks. It it looks like a classic pine cone. Yeah. But it also looks so soft and round. Interesting. Like even these open ones and the sides of the scales, Casey, like the outward mm-hmm. facing part of the scale. Yeah. The umbo. Yeah. 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 That's right. Umbra? Uh, umbo. Yeah. Umbo. Uh is like kind of rounded. Yeah, yeah. And it is. Uh, looks a lot like looks a lot like a walnut to me. A walnut. Yeah, it's got kind of a walnut meat. Uh, huh. The meat, the the the, the nut inside the yeah, actual the seed. Yeah, we'll yeah. That. Interesting. I'm gonna um, have to. I'm gonna have to use my imagination to see that. And I will. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. We look at the world in different ways. <laughs> uh, and I will say, if anybody has a Japanese black pine cone that they don't want. I will at, please send that to me. Yeah, add us. I w- this is the first cone I've seen in a while that I thought, wow, I'd love to have one of those in my small but growing collection. Hey, yeah, me too. In fact, I think I do, but um, I've actually had a lot of um, like ID crisis lately. Like I've had hmm. cones that have been like, oh yeah, I know what this cone is, and I've had it for a long time. I identified it like five or six years ago, and then when I actually like categorized everything, I was like, wow, am I sure? Wow. I don't remember exactly where I got this cone. And then I kind of panicked and I'm like, well, I, if I can't identify it for sure, I don't have it. So, question mark for me. This is the uh, this is the center of your character arc. This is yeah. your midlife crisis. This is my midlife crisis, yeah. This is your meeting with the goddess. <laughs> I look at all of my cone cones and I'm just like, I don't know any of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Casey, it's terrifying. we're going to get to know the Japanese black pine a lot more. After this quick break, we'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. The Unseason. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story... You're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at SCS. .georgetown.edu/podcast Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary, the unseason Japanese black pine. Mm-hmm. And today, Casey, I heard tell through the grapevine, oh, through the black pine, <laughs> that you and I are going to be talking about what I traditionally would have called bonsai, yeah, but what uh, Allie Ward taught me is called bonsai. Yes, yep, that's true. That's fair. I know bonsai. I don't know. Casey I don't, just rolled his eyes. I did. You know why? There's. Um, there, I listened to a radio lab uh, ah. a couple of weeks ago, and they talked about um, Neanderthals, and apparently, some people say Neanderthal. Oh. Just the same as some people say, um, uh, oh, let this cheese mature. Other people say, oh, let that cheese mature. mature. You know, it's like, okay, if I say mature, I feel like a normal person. Yeah. When I say mature, I feel like a little bit of a, I think the term they use is icky. And I, I don't think icky is the right, from, right word for me. I feel more like a little uppity. 
Oh, you sure. Know? It's like, oh, look at the Neanderthals. It's like, shut up, douchebag. There is a little bit of gatekeeping, I think, when people yeah. use those terms. Or like, I've also heard, um, uh, oh, what was, I just had it. Uh, like a lot of a lot of stuff in the culinary world too. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, um, because a lot of that is based in Fran- French. You yeah, know? so you like go back and forth, and I always have trouble with that. Like um, sometimes when you hear someone speaking, like clearly they are just speaking English from America, United States of mm-hmm. America, and then they say something with like a Spanish accent, and they just put on this hard Spanish accent and yeah. they come back, and it's like, why did you? Why that sounded really strange? Well, I would say if that person is if, if a person is like Mexican, sure. And when they speak Spanish, I guess that's true. When they say a single word of Spanish, they use their right. Mexican accent. I think that's fair. I think that is fair. I don't know. Just sometimes, I don't know. Maybe if they're just like a very, a very, I don't know. I have no, I have thoughts on this. I don't know where I land. All that to say, whenever I say bonsai, I feel like a little bit of an elitist. Sure. Is that bad? No. Okay. So I want to, I, I just want to call it bonsai because that maybe that's just the, uh, the Americanized version of the word sure. in, in American English. And you are an American who speaks English. Yeah. Poorly many times, but I try my best. I, 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 my favorite example of this is, uh, when Italian chefs on the food network say, and then we're going to, we're going to taste, take some fresh mozzarella. Yeah, exactly. I, it's the same thing. Uh, I feel like I had someone in, in college do something like that once and I, I had a visceral reaction to yeah. it. I was like, you're, I hate you. It is suddenly sort of embarrassing. I don't know. So yeah, I, then if you don't get embarrassed, then I'm just a little bit like you are, I just, I don't even want to talk to you. You're just going to, you're going to say that I have to pronounce something so differently. Uh, does this, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So with someone, you know. I, I'm going to make an artistic choice and uh-huh. say bonsai. If right. I'm saying that incorrectly, it's because I took license to do so yeah. as a tree professional. I will join you in this, and I will be today be calling it bonsai. All right. Thank you, Alex. You're welcome. And if Allie Ward has to say something, fine. Make sure you do it in a public place. Uh-huh. Make sure as many people as you see or as you can see it, and uh, we'll have you on the show, and we can talk about it. <laughs> Oh, we would just hate for <laughs> Allie Ward to call us out completely arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. Yeah, exactly. And also, if uh, if Tobin Mitnick calls me out, too, I'm, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> or you. I just... Anyway, well, let's move on. How about Alexis? You know, we challenge <laughs> we ch- Black Forager <laughs> to, to say, say our name and tag us yeah. just once. You know what? Just one time. We don't think she has the guts. <laughs> Why don't you prove us wrong? Anyway, <laughs> bonsai is the subject of today's conversation. Hell yeah. Get your books, turn to page 12. The oh, Casey. Art of bonsai. Yes, that book. Uh, it's a gorgeous book. Wow. It is, yeah. Wait, this is actually, I got this in Japan uh, at a bonsai museum. No kidding. Uh, in, uh, what is it, 2017 uh, or 18? Is 18, it in English? It is English. So this one is in English. Uh, this is the English book by DK Publishing. Um, I believe the, uh, the writer of this... Uh, let me find his name real fast. I see you've got some signatures on the front page. I there. do. Peter Warren wrote this book. DK published it. Um, and this is um, Kiro Kobayashi uh, hmm. is who uh, who did this. And he, it, yeah, this is in uh, May of 2018. And I went to a bonsai museum in Tokyo, and I had to like find my way down like several different small bus lines, like mm. this weird, like not in the center of town kind of place. Yeah. And it was essentially a nursery 
kind of, and then a um, like a display garden at the same time. Wow, it was really beautiful. He had. Uh, several different apprentices that were there and they were all basically working to learn how to be, you know, bonsai masters at some point. Wow, cool. And so I just walked in. Um, I don't speak Japanese and there turns out there was a bunch of other people there. There was a German kid who's doing this and there's like a picture half a museum where there's just like a bunch of, you know, trees out there just to look at Mm -hmm. in the shape of a nursery. So you're like, I think all these are for sale. And then Mm -hmm. I think actually the guy, someone asked, or no, the, the tour guide gave me, he said, well, I think what my boss would say is everything here is for sale for the right price. I see. And so it was like a thousand year old trees in these little pots, actually big pots. And so this uh, this German kid uh, is one of these millions of minions that he had that were just like clipping like the tiniest little scissors. Mm. And you just walk around and if you just were really quiet, you could just hear like... <laughs> yeah, it was like <laughs> little cutter ants all over the place just doing all, a million different trimmings wow. on all these little trees. And so he came by and it was almost like, oh, okay, I got to do this because I'm the only one here who speaks English. And it was a German who gave me this like fun little tour around, but it was very much like, hey, I do this all the time. It's a part of the internship or something like that. But it was it was funny. There's also a, apparently he expects a lot of the your the apprentice like of it's you go there and you do nothing but bonsai. Wow. You don't go out. You don't hang out. You you would sleep. You get up. You do bonsai. And this one guy was like, I want my money back. I want to leave. And he's they're like you you can't. It was almost like the people there who were like running it were like, we don't understand what you mean. What do you mean leave? Like. What and there was this big miscommunication about this oh, apprentice no. who was like, I I did not expect this. I want to be able to leave. He and wanted out. Yeah, and they're like, uh, what? We don't. You you can't leave. You paid what? And it was just. It was very much. They were all confused. And but there's a lot of mistranslations happening. Uh, and uh, I just kept walking and looked at the trees. And they they said all in unison. Life is bonsai. Bonsai <laughs> is life. Yeah, and then they all prayed to the trees. Yeah. My kind of people. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I got this book, and uh, so this is called Bonsai Technique Style Display Ideas. Cool. And it gives a little history um, about what bonsai is. I shall regale you, Alex. Are oh, you wonderful. Yes, please. All right, perfect. Bonsai is essentially the Japanese variety of a tradition started in China many, mm. many years ago. And and in China, it had a, a name that uh, it's changed a little bit, but at the time, um, it was what two. The first records were were in the Han Dynasty in China that came out of people like planting trees in pots, like making these little landscape things. Yeah, um, and they called it Penjing, or uh, I've, I've heard another one, Pen Penjai. I think is what it what hmm. you pronounce it as something similar to that. Um, but it's essentially. Um, initially started from these uh, Buddhist monks, most likely, coming over from India. And they came over and they would just bring little trees in pots with them, hmm. just as like, you know, you have houseplants all around you. Yeah. So maybe you're like, oh, I'm just going to take this little uh, this little fig tree with me from here to here because I'm a Buddhist and the Buddha was underneath a fig tree, so I'm going to bring this as like a, you know, a religious kind of token. You okay. Know? Maybe that was it. There's not really a lot of um, 100%, like no one really knows exactly how developed but that's when they're pretty sure okay 
So then fast forward a couple hundred years and you're in the Song or the Song Dynasty in China and it's like a massively prosperous time for them. They invented paper money. They invented wow. gunpowder, like rudders on ships. They invented that for, you know, at least their ships. So you started getting these like really fantastic like cultural advances in China. When you get that kind of thing, of course, you get these the luxury that comes with it. So I am a, a king and I am just like you know, ready to go an emperor at the time. And they're just like, I am the coolest. We're the best. I'm going to pay a million dollars to have somebody do this random thing because I can afford it. Why mm. not? And what they started to do is make little miniature landscapes in uh, like big, not pots in a strict sense, but like a big gigantic planter bed or, you know, a courtyard or something like that. Okay. And they would miniaturize all of the trees and plants. And one of these uh, emperors, he was like, I want this to look like all of my empire. So we had trees from all over the empire brought in and planted and kept miniature. Wow. So how do you keep plants miniature? You're going to have to have a dedicated horticulturalist to do this. So they started planting them and uh, in... Over time, you know, as China and... Or Chinese and Japanese and Korean and Taiwan, like all these different cultures kind of started to intersect and move around. Whether by conquest or, you know, literal monks just kind of going around talking about Confucianism and Shintoism and all these other different little uh, ideas and sort of that cultural exchange that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they started bringing, bringing around these trees. And then you get the the Japanese style starts to come in because they say, oh, I, I want to plant my trees in these little pots and, and bring them around and then start training them and learning how to take care of these things. Mm. And then you get other styles in... Um, Vietnam, there's one that developed, and that style um, essentially was a miniature landscape, like take, you know, a gigantic island, take all the plants that are on that, and then recreate it on a tiny island that you've man-made inside a little uh, a little pond or something, inside a garden. It makes sense to me that this originated with an emperor, because yeah. it's, it's sort of a... It's sort of an like that specific idea, him recreating his empire uh-huh. in a small where he can like look at it all, is sort of like a it's very egotistical. Don't oh, you, totally, don't you think? yeah, and and that's kind of that that's exactly what what had happened. Like, I'm so rich, I'm so fancy, I can afford to like spend Fuck every around. waking moment <laughs> fucking around with this tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know that's kind of the 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 beginnings of where you know where it began. Sure, a peasant and, would look at that and be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I'm like, is this just make fruit or like what's the point? Yeah. But the cultures there are also different where they would be like, "Wow, that's really beautiful." Like they they also it was an artistic uh in cultural horticultural thing just the same way as a monk in uh a monk in some monastery in Japan or China would plant a tree and like take care of that tree sure. like nobody's business until it's like a thousand years old like one of the oldest Japanese cherries or oldest Japanese maples or ginkgo or whatever it is yeah and you'd have those like um, those people dedicated to it they'd also do other things probably yeah right? I, I, by that peasant remark I think I just meant like in any empire there are people yeah. suffering at the bottom who would look I, at yeah. that and be like who like, has I the, hate you I, I don't even have anything to eat yeah yeah you, and have, you have, have like time. a playground yeah, yeah. and that's, that's exactly exactly right and it was very specifically the elite class they call out monks scholars and artists Hmm. took a slightly different path during the Edo period and started to really like focus on on this but then taking it to religious uh religious ways i see so 
when you get down to it, what exactly is bonsai? It's it's kind of a newer term for you know this whole idea, but it's literally growing a tree in a pot. Sure. That's it, or plant in a pot is what it comes down to, where you have bond meaning pot and zai meaning plant. Thank you. I was just Googling that. Oh, there you go. Nice. Potted plant. That's what it comes down to. All right. So you got a potted plant, but then uh, they call out a specific difference between a potted plant, like what we have surrounding us right now, mm-hmm. and a bonsai tree. So what exactly is the difference between the two? Why why can you not just have, oh, I got a, there's, there's right there. That's a coffee tree. It's in a pot. Boom. Bonsai. Well, this is very interesting. Well, as we recently discussed in a Patreon episode, you don't consider coffee to be a tree. Yeah, right. It's a shrub. Right. Uh, so is the difference the fact that they are trees versus plants? Well. Or other, I mean, non-tree plants? Isn't that the funny thing, Alex? They can make a bonsai, in quotes, a mm-hmm. little tree in a pot or a plant in a pot that is that would meet the requirements of a bonsai. And if you look up pictures, which, hold on, Alex, let me, let me just... Uh, let me just toss you this book here. Oh, right? a second book. Now, hold this one and then flip it around. There you go. It, oh. opened, it opens opposite. We're reading from right to left here. Yeah, you, exactly. And this is from the same, uh, the same guy, the same, uh, the same artist, but this is his book um, that he signed for me, and he, I think he, he kind of assumed that I wanted it signed, which is great. I mean, of course, I would take it. <laughs> but he's just like, here, uh, uh, go pick out two books that you want, and then I'll sign them both. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Wow. Got a little uh, tea tour. I think I was the only one who paid for a tour that day, so I got like all the all The, polls. the star treatment. Yeah, everything came out. And um, so was, interns are running around. Casey Clapp is here. Yeah, oh, my God. Oh, my God. From completely arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. You know it; it's it's translated into several languages. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can see there, like the reason I'm showing you this, and then uh, I will take we'll we'll so, show some pictures of bonsai. And of course, anyone can out there can look it up and see a bonsai tree is very distinct. It's very much not a just simply one does not simply plant a pot to tree. And call it a bonsai. Did Damn I say that straight. right? Yes, you did. God, I'm good at memes. <laughs> um, and so what it takes to do this is to, A, you have to keep the trees alive and looking healthy, as healthy as they can possibly be. Yeah. But the thing with trees is that they do not want to be in a little tiny pot, pot bound. Well, this is my question. Yeah. Are we... I actually think I, I'm cheating a bit because I, I remember you saying uh-huh. that bonsai, that bonsai. Hey, hey, your cones are your own, Alex. Is a little bit analogous to the tremendously awful practice of foot binding. It is, yes. That is, a, I think that is an apt metaphor, not culturally, but just specifically what is one, what is the other. Yeah. They match up really well. Wow. It's something that wants to get huge that's being forced by, by you know, challenging situations to grow in a certain way that it is not naturally wanting to do. Yeah. So traditionally, um, you would go out and one of these uh, these uh, professionals, these masters, would go out and find a tree uh, growing on the side of a mountain. And remember how we said the Japanese black pine would be growing uh, in like these really weird, constricted and like not not a straight up kind of way, but like on the side of a mountain. On the coast, getting battered by wind. Windswept, wind. yeah. Exactly. So they would find these trees growing in rock crags that, you know, for whatever reason, seed landed there. It's just growing. It's doing everything in its power to not die because these trees are 
stupendously able to live. They mm. just they they can grow anywhere. They can take salt conditions, dry conditions, wet conditions. They're just really as long as it's in, within their temperature range, which is about a, a six for the USDA. So a little bit colder than Portland, probably okay. southern southern Oregon gets really cold, and kind of eastern Oregon. This is Japanese black pine you're talking this about. Is Japanese black okay. pine, yeah. So as long as you have that within it's like sort of southern Japan kind of range temperature wise and yeah. climate wise. The tree's going to be just fine. It'll wow. grow almost anywhere. So they found, wow, this is a perfect tree to grow in this way because mm. as bonsai, you're sticking it in a pot and you're constricting the roots. The roots of a tree want to grow out as far as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. They want to go down and find as much water as they can and get these these massive amount of resources. So in a small little pot, which traditionally the pot would be proportional to the size of the tree. You got a three foot tall tree. It comes out two feet. You should probably have like a, a roughly three by five. I'm sorry, three by two, five foot square little uh, little pot. Okay. And that is so that the pot itself, you'll notice in all of those photos I just showed you, mm-hmm. the pot itself is a proportional depth and width and size of the tree that's growing out of it. Yes. So if you're going to do that, you have to keep that tree really, really small. It can go down maybe six inches, maybe eight inches of depth, which is horrendous for a tree. They want to go down three feet. Right. Then if it wants to grow out, it can only grow out one or two feet on either side before it hits a wall. Mm. And you're like, well, what is it going to do? What they do is they have to pull it out every single year, trim the roots of it, and actually cut the roots off, the new shoots, Stresses the tree out, of course, and then put it back in where Mm. it'll have enough nutrients, enough soil, but it has to start regrowing its roots. So you essentially keep this tree as a dwarf tree as if it's growing in a rock crag all by itself where it only gets a certain amount of water. It only has a certain amount of room to grow and it can only stay really, really small. Wow. So they recreate those natural conditions that this tree would be growing in or in the case of literally any other tree because, spoiler for everyone, any tree can be a bonsai. It's just the technique of growing a tree in a pot. And it just so happens the black pine is like the creme de la creme. Uh, our book over here describes it as the king of bonsai. Wow. And it's, so it is, it's like foot binding. It's a little bit rough, but oh my God. Are there beautiful. Dis, well, I guess you just said any tree can be a bonsai. Any tree can be a bonsai. But are there deciduous bonsais? There sure are, Alex. Like I could have a little, now I'm getting excited. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm torn on this subject. Okay. Because I, you said it's like it's like not a great practice for the tree. Yeah, but it is kind of an exciting, beautiful art form. It, it is, and that's what makes it special. Like that's the, what pulls it apart, right? Yeah, because it is an art form. Yeah, I uh, could have like a little. Art. I could have a, a little Don Redwood. You could. Well, you would have to keep it outside though, because oh. it. You also are still mimicking the oh. tree's natural climactic conditions. Sure. In fact, if you get on the internet right now and you Google Don Redwood bonsai, uh-huh. there are thousands of examples what about in my little apartment here you would want to get a tropical tree as a bonsai could i get a, ba- a banyan you absolutely could wow look up, look up banyan tree or fig tree bonsai well now we're talking yeah all of a sudden everyone's <laughs> like wait what wow this yeah. is a little banyan japanese uh japanese holly I chinese mean, elm I, rocky I, mountain juniper european larch Cotoneaster, which is a shrub, but they make it look like a little tree. Coastal redwood. 
I will say, actually, I'm going to hold that for my final thoughts. Ooh, okay, good. So uh, let's see. So anyway, this this is a cultural thing, this bonsai thing. And if you do it really well, you can keep the tree alive. And you're just basically, um, I don't want to give the trees too much um, I, I don't want to give them too much agency in the idea that you're like hurting the tree. Right. I don't necessarily believe that trees react like that. And I don't, I don't mean it in a way that's like, trees aren't alive. Trees don't feel. Okay, okay, we're going to have that discussion some other time. I'll leave that to Peter Wallenben. Ye- okay. Uh, do you know who that is? No. Oh, it's a guy who wrote uh, uh, The Secret Life of Trees and oh. that thing. Okay. Read the book. It's a fine book, but it's very much like trees can feel, trees can believe, trees love, trees yeah. have all these things. It's like, okay, that's a little bit of a stretch. Trees aren't people. I'm they, sorry. No, I still like to say trees are people, though, so I'm going to hold off my judgment on that. We do a lot of characterizing of, or uh, humanizing and yeah. characterizing of trees, but come on. Yeah, in a fundamental way, they are not. It doesn't mean that they can't have some kind of, of agency in and of themselves. They just may not see it the same way as we do. Mm-hmm. If you cut off a person's arm, they're going to be like, uh, yeah, bro, my arm. You cut it off. Now I'm now I'm, I'm behind, and I can no longer ever get to the same level. A tree does not do that. You cut an arm off of a tree, the tree's just like, Meh, okay, rah. right. Just close it off. I'm going to grow like six new ones this year anyway because I don't care. Yeah. So if you have roots of a tree, you pull this tree out in the when it's dormant. You prune all the roots, and you put it back in, and the tree starts growing again. The tree just kind of says, okay, what happened? Cool, 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 cool. Okay, we're going to cut this off. We're going to do our best. So the trees don't react in a way that's just like um, they're not crying out for help. They just respond and then they continue living however best they can. They're non-judgmental to the things that happen to them. Allegedly, that's as much that's as much as I believe, right? Sure. So in this case, though, that makes bonsai trees a product that is one hundred percent. Uh, dedicated to being in and around people. Mm. If you take people away from bonsai trees, they will die. Yeah, every single one of them, other than maybe the banyan tree, because that can put down a root and find something. Oh sure. So if it can escape somehow its bondage, then it can live. Wow. Most of them cannot. So you start a bonsai tree. You must take care of that tree every single year, all the rest of its life. And I say its life because if you do it right. You will die, pass that on to the next person, they will die, pass it on to the next person, so on and so forth, for as long as possible. Mm. There are trees that are 600 years old. Wow. There are trees that are a thousand years bonsai old. Bonsai trees? Bonsai what trees. What the hell? The people have started way back when it was like, you know, hey, this is a cool thing to do. We've only been doing it for a thousand years, and I'm just going to start growing a tree. Yeah. They grow the tree. They're, they aren't dealing with all the fancy fertilizers and things like this. They just got the knowledge passed down from someone. Your master dies and gives you his trees. Wow. You start taking his care of his trees, then so on and so forth, so on and so forth, so on and so forth, and now you have a tree that is in, it's a six or seven hundred year old pine tree growing in a pot that it, it is itself 400 years old. Yeah. That's how these things kind of work. And they just have these constant rotations of tradition that has been kept alive for, you know, 2000 years now. So it's a really cool idea. But then the thing that, that develops over this 2000 years, especially when you give sort of the Japanese artistry involved, is you develop these very specific techniques and very specific styles. I'll let you see this page, Alex. Okay. What do, you, what do you see? Give us a description. Well, from left to right, there are illustrations of bonsai trees. The one mm-hmm. on the upper left is a single stem. Yeah. Uh, is that a Japanese black pine? Uh, these are all just, I would say you could probably call them Japanese black pines. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then there's one that are, look to be sever, a se- either one several stemmed plant or uh, a uh, few different single uh-huh, stems. Yeah. Uh, and then there's one in a smaller pot, possibly, that looks like a smaller 
plant. Yeah. Am I looking for something specific here, Casey? You are looking for the differences because these are all styles. Oh. And so all of these styles, you'll you'll notice. Oh, I, I've seen a I've seen a picture of a bonsai tree that looks just like that. Yeah. You were talking about the Japanese maple earlier, where it has uh-huh. those same kinds of pads or like the cloud formation. I see. So that is all very specific designs that are developed through the this Japanese kind of artistry. Okay. To do two things. One, to create an image where some, uh, especially in the Chinese um, historic uh, traditions, they would make them look like dragons. Sure. And this is all very like, you're making a tree look like a dragon. So very it's not cool. like, okay, yes, I see the dragon. They're just like, no, see how it like, this is the tail, kind of comes up, it's kind of looking at uh, constellations, you know, mm. where you, you mimic it in a certain way and you say, this is what it looks like. And it's like, wow, yeah, okay, it's really beautiful. But it's also balanced. And then they like scarify and kill some of the bark. So you have like this dead stem that's coming up and it's just alive on one side. And you mimic the natural, the naturalist conditions to make a a miniature tree that looks like it's a thousand years old big gigantic tree. I don't so like if, it. So if you were an ant, you wouldn't like it. I don't what? like it. I don't think I like it. You don't like it. Why not? Because uh, because you don't like the 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 falseness of it. The I don't know. Oh, I have some final thoughts. Yeah, Casey, let's get onto our review of the black of the Japanese black pine. Yes, sir. Uh, here's how it works for anybody listening for the first time. Casey and I are going to give some final thoughts on this tree and then give it a rating of zero to 10 golden cones of honor. We're back to the OG case. Oh, it feels good to be back, doesn't it? It sure does. Wow. No more cone gimmicks. No, I'm tired of cone gimmicks. (laughs) And no more cone antics either. Uh, Casey, as our resident expert, we'll begin with you. All right. Pinus Limburgia, Japanese black pine. Um, I agree with this statement. This pine is the king of Japanese bonsai world. Wow. They call it dramatic. Who said that? Uh, I believe his name is uh, Peter Warren. Oh, the author of this book. Yeah, I assume that's him. And the name of the book again? Uh, The name of the book, Bonsai. Bonsai. I think, and then it says, Technique Styles Display Ideas. I don't know if that's the, uh, the thing. Wonderful. So, this tree, to me, exemplifies a tree being turned to art, no matter Mm. how it is. It also exemplifies to me a tree making itself art because this tree did not become the king of bonsai because bonsai existed and they needed a king. This tree was found and they said, that's the perfect tree. I'm going to take that out of those rocks that I found on the side of this mountain. I'm going to put it into this pot and I'm going to keep it alive. That's what they did. So it's like they these trees created the the whole world mm. you know, of bonsai you know that's not 100 percent true what i'm saying right now is only 70 percent true but it's my opinion that this tree basically is the archetype and then we change things from that okay uh we've also grown trees in bonsai that are you know 100 percent different but we're not talking about those trees right no, now we're not we are talking about the japanese black pine and how spectacular it is most specifically i'm going to give this tree a seven point one out of 10 golden cones of honor. Okay. My main reason for this is that it takes these conditions really well. It basically says, all right, sure. And it it grows however you want it to grow. And you can keep it as a tiny little tree. That's the most beautiful thing in the world. Mm -hmm. You can let that tree grow up and get larger and they will still manipulate the branches and turn it into these beautiful, they look like giant bonsai trees when they're really just the normal trees and they've just pruned them in such a way. Just highly manicured. Yeah, exactly. But of course, because it is in this kind of artistic style, it's not highly manicured where, where it's like topiary, you know? We're like, oh, that tree's 
perfect, where you're kind of a little uncomfortable with its perfection. Yeah. These trees are perfect, and you look at it, and you're like, I just want to lay on you like you're a, like you're a cloud. Mm. So I think these trees are spectacular for that reason. I think also they're spectacular because if you left them alone, they would do the same dang thing and make themselves into stunning, stunning bonsais growing out of the side of mountains. Mm. It's perfect. It's not a, a bonsai. Not a bonsai. A normal tree growing as a bonsai tree, just not in a pot. I see. Yeah. Asai. <laughs> wow. Just as I. <laughs> Uh, plant yeah yeah anyway i think they're wonderful trees i love their cones i've seen them planted around a lot i've identified them and been like that's the coolest tree yeah and it's it's a tree that you have probably seen many times other people have seen i'm sure many times but you just don't know it because it's like oh it's a generic pine tree right yeah so a lot of times you get it mixed up with the uh the uh, austrian black pine as i said earlier um austrian black pine eh, take it or leave it when that mm. review comes sorry to say it's gonna be like a five wow this one though, little little teaser. Yeah, it's a little teaser when that one uh, when that one comes down the pike. Sorry, everybody, we can't cover it now. Yeah, no, now it's done. <laughs> that was the review. <laughs> that, yeah, you're going to be doing two tree reviews out of this. <laughs> anyway, that's what I say, Alex. Seven point okay. one. I think it's a great tree. It's beautiful in and of its own right, and if being manipulated by humans. Seven point one golden cones of honor for the Japanese black pine from dendrologist Casey Clapp. There you are, Casey. Here is my philosophical question. Ooh. Re bonsai. All right. Is it tacky? Oh. I probably just offended some people. No. And I'm sorry, but this is how I feel. That's fair. To me, bonsai is it tacky? Seems a little tacky. Seems like like so you you see it and you're like, mm, you're trying a little too hard. It's like people who are really into dollhouses and oh. like put like electrical wiring in their dollhouse and have little light switches that turn on the hot tub. <laughs> And a little real fireplace. Yeah, with actual fire. And they're really, really into it, and they think it's awesome. And I'm like, nice. It's a little tacky. It's a little much. I think it's a little tacky. Interesting. Forgive me. Bonsai's a little tacky. We have to take a drive, Alex. Put, Put a pause on. (laughs) <laughs> are we going to the nursery yeah no we're going to go drive up there's yeah there's a whole bonsai uh, museum or display garden outside tacoma washington all right yeah sure maybe i'm uncultured maybe i just need to yeah. have my eyes open a little bit it, i also it, yeah. drink i drink folgers until this year you know so, <laughs> so i'm not exactly like well-rounded culturally uh, yeah you're getting <laughs> uh so that's that's how I feel about bonsai. I really appreciate that as a description. Like, hold on. Caveat, I used to drink Folgers until this year. Yeah. So everything I say, take it with a grain of coffee. But I'm also open-minded. That's true. So I could see a bonsai. I will have no problem changing my opinion if I love it. Okay, that's all right. Um, hmm. So Japanese black pine, the subject of today's episode. Yeah. I think it's a pretty cool tree, Casey. Okay, you think the tree's cool, the style that it is famous for. Not maybe not so a cool. little tacky. Okay, you know how uh, I, I like I like the Japanese because you describe the Japanese black pine as being really tough. Will grow yeah. fucking anywhere. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I've seen some like on the side, like under like by an overpass, like oh, on yeah. the freeway. You mm-hmm. know, um, and I have an analogy for this. You know, in Kill Bill, yeah, I think part two, yeah, when the bride Beatrix Kiddo, uh huh, played by Uma Thurman, <sighs> spectacular, goes to Tokyo, yeah. To find Hattori Hanzo. Yeah. Master Katana Smith. Yep. And he's like working in a sushi restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's a little, that reminds me of the Japanese, black, you you could come across a Japanese black pine and be like, oh, it's uh, it's by an overpass. Yeah. And then you find out that it's the king of bonsai. Yeah. 
It's like, oh, that's that's impressive. You don't even look you don't even look it. Yes. You know, you know what else is good? So speaking of that specific Quentin Tarantino movie series, uh-huh. it takes place, uh, it has a lot of Japanese sort of imagery and culture in it. Yeah. Whenever you watch like a kabuki theater or something like that, like if there's a single tree growing in the background yeah. of something, that's a Japanese black pine. Wow. It is a the cultural king of Jap- uh, Japanese culture. Very emblematic. Yeah, very emblematic. So you're not you're you're spot on. There you go. Uh love the cone. That that I'm a big cone fan. Yeah. I love this Japanese black pine cone. Mm-hmm. I stand by the fact that I think the side of it looks like walnuts. Uh Boy, oh boy, I think it's going to get, you know, I'm not going to hold bonsai against it. That's a human creation. Yeah, all right, that's fair. Uh, This thing's getting at 7.7. It's a high rating. Yeah. Wow, good for us. Yeah, good for the Japanese black pine and good for us. Yeah. A strong strong start to the unseason, I would say. I, I agree. We should start doing some trees. We should just go through and like pick X amount of trees from like a list randomly mm-hmm. so that we can try to like get some trees. We're like, oh yeah, we're going to cover this tree. We got nothing to say about it. This podcast is just going to be like a quick succession oh. where you give a bunch of bad reviews. <laughs> everything's been like sevens and eights. Yeah. <laughs> what a boring, what a boring show. Sounds like a good I guess segment. some drama in it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, that five. I think that's the, that's plant rant. Yeah, right there. that is. That's plant rant. You're right. We got to get there. Okay, cool. Casey, that was our review of wow. the Japanese black pine. Feels good to be back. It sure does. 7.1, 7.7. Mm-hmm. Mm. Pretty good. Beautiful tree. It's time for a segment, Casey. Whoa. One that we, that you and I like a lot. Oh. I can't speak for the listeners. It's who can it tree now? <gasps> Who can it treat now? 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 Am I excited? All right, Case. This is Who Can It Tree Now. I will choose a tree from David Allen Sibley's Guide to Trees. Oh, thank God. I have chosen a tree from this catalog of North American trees. You have 10 questions, yes or no questions, to ask me about this tree. The information, the answer to that question must be on the page for this tree, or you lose the question and it's a pass. Okay. At the end of the 10 questions, you or earlier, you may guess... Who can it tree now? Okay, Casey, please remove your headphones and plug them ears. Today's tree is the desert ironwood. Okay, Case. All right, I'm here. You have 10 questions about this tree. Who can it tree now? Is this tree a conifer? This also be yes or no questions, right? No. Okay, it is not a conifer. It is not a conifer. Is what? That was not my second question. It's all right. No, I understand. Thank I should you ask, keeping track. ask the same question twice. <laughs> okay, now question does two. this tree have cones? Is, <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're going to say? Okay, all right, all right. So it's not that. Okay, um, does this tree have oppositely arranged leaves? It does. <gasps> this is excellent news. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. 
are these le- go ahead i just want to say yeah i do my best i have some illustrations here yeah and i i, I have i have a pretty limited tree knowledge but it okay, has been yeah. a year of me learning things about trees of course so i i'm i'm answering all these to the best of my knowledge you're doing excellent okay you can also i think i think that question is on the on, on there where it would say in the description somewhere leaves are opposite i think it doesn't say that but i, I believe they're oppositely arranged all right perfect <laughs> That's two. Number three, are the leaves compound? Remind me, I, I, I know this term, but what, yeah. what does it mean for a leaf to be compound? Ah, if, for those of you who are just joining us, uh, a compound leaf is a leaf that, is, uh, that has more than one leaflet on it. So yes. where the leaf blade, which is the sort of green part of the leaf, splits into more than one. A pinnately compound leaf uh, is like a feather. One central rachis with little uh, two or leaflets coming off. Then there's palmately compound leaves where the leaflets start from a single point, kind of like the palm of your hand starts at the, the wrist. Casey, this is a compound leaf. Oh, boy. Okay, so it is alternate compound. That's right. Is this tree in the genus Fraxinus? It is not in the genus Fraxinus. It is not. And what does that genus mean? Ash. It is not in the genus Fraxinus. It's opposite. That was my fourth question. It's opposite. This is a, da, 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 okay, I've had four questions. Yeah. Opposite compound. However, it is not ash. Okay. So the question then would be: Is it? Uh, is it pinnately compound? It is pinnately compound. Okay. Okay. But it's not ash. Correct. Okay. All right. Okay. This is great. We're having a good time. That's five question. Okay, Alex, I'm stressing now because that's my go-to. Oh, boy. Okay. Is this in the genus Acer? It is not. It is not. That's six questions, Alex. You can, can, I, can I give a hint? Not a hint, but a suggestion? Uh, yes. No, I'm not going to. Oh, come the on. The way you reacted, I don't want to. Shoot, it's because I was like, is this is this legal? Is this good? Should I, should I allow this or will it ruin the whole thing? I would say you can ask questions about where it grows. Yeah, okay. It's true. I want, I want, can you add, I, I, I know that the people at home are doing this, but I want to hear like the suspense where like you ask a question and when the, when the answer comes, everyone's like, oh. I will you know? say, I will say there are lots of types of questions you're not asking that I personally would ask, but I'm not the tree expert. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So this is, uh, is this tree native to North America? It is. It is. That's seven questions. I have three more. It's native. It is opposite. It is pinnately compound. This is a hard one, Alex. And it's not a conifer. And it's not a conifer. It is a broadleaf tree. It is. Okay, so is this a tall tree, as in like it grows over, let's say, 40 or 50 feet? It is not. It is a little tree. It is a little tree. A little alternately or oppositely arranged. I'll give you this. Okay. In the description for this tree, it says shrub or small tree. Uh Aha. Okay. Um, Does this plant tree have large um does it have a showy white flowers i would not say hmm Hmm. maybe kind of i'm gonna say no (sighs) shoot 
Okay, I'm going to have to go into negative for this because I'm, I'm going to... Are show we at 10 you. questions? This is my 10th question. Do you want to take a guess and um, yeah. uh, and then we can continue asking questions That's for right. negative one point each? I'm curious. If I... If, uh, now that we're you know really making sure this game is foolproof, uh-huh. uh, if I ask one more question, do I then get a guess what it is? Or... Do I do I have to guess on my tenth question? You get to ask a tenth question, okay. and then you get to guess. Okay. The guess is not one of the questions. Gotcha. All right, I have one more question. Then and I'm going to okay. come up with it. It's native to. Uh, is it native to the southeastern United States? It is not. It is not. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! The heat is on. Okay, it's not native to the southeastern. Hmm. Interesting thing I just said. The heat is on. Yeah, so it's a hot tree. Maybe it's from the desert, is what I'm guessing. Huh? Huh. So if it's native to the southwest, it's a tree slash shrub, pinnately compound. I wonder if it's bipinnately compound, but Mm. that's, I'm just wondering. I'm not asking. Sure. Um, But the problem is, uh, the trees that I'm thinking of are alternately arranged. Hmm which would make one of your questions incorrect, or one of your answers. Can I clarify something? You may. The leaflets are oppositely arranged. What about the leaves, Alex? Oh, my God. Oops. I'm now seeing Casey. <laughs> we, I'm just here. Hold on. Yep. Okay. <laughs> just getting confirmation. The leaves are alternately arranged. Oh, my God. But the leaflets are oppositely arranged. <laughs> yeah, Alex. Okay, I'm so sorry. That's Casey. okay. Can we go? Can we go back to? Uh, oh my um, god! Uh, no, no. Just, just a couple things. Uh-huh. Uh, I want to. I'm going to count the questions I want to revoke, which I would have not asked explicitly. Okay. That's fine. Um, is it in the genus Fraxinus? No, I would not. I would not have asked that question. So I'm oh, take I see. That okay, yeah, okay. So you get one question back. Yeah, I also would not have asked if the about the oh, flowers. Boy. This is well, just a two. mess. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just counting back. Okay, okay two well, questions back, and then I think I think that would be about it. Okay, so let's just go with those two. You have two more questions. Is the fruit a nut? Well, I don't think so. Okay, it's not a nut. No. Okay, does it have any? It's not a nut-like thing. Okay, is the fruit? A long, pendulous-like thing, kind of like a pea. Casey, yes. Wow. The fruit is a pod. <gasps> Holy heck. Okay, it's a shrub or small tree. That is correct. Mm, okay. So you have one more question? No, that or was you have to guess now? Now I have to guess. I guess that this tree is, unfortunately, I can't think any closer than this, some kind of mesquite no alex i got it wrong i just i can't believe this i just can't believe it okay so what else is there uh if it's not that if it would be a small shrub kind of of tree thing uh, they have a lot of ones that grow like that in that sort of area if Uh it would be a mesquite uh the other one is an acacia it is not an acacia it's not an acacia casey oh my god i'm sorry i'm stumped i'm ending the game you have to you have lost who can a tree now (gasps) it's a sad day what is this of course this is the worst day Olnea Tasota. This is a desert ironwood. A desert ironwood. Wow. You know what? Are you familiar with this tree? I am completely unfamiliar with this tree. That's too bad. Casey, I'm so sorry. Uh, Alex, that's okay. You know, you can't win them all. You can't win them all. You did the best you could. Please don't unfollow the podcast, people. (laughs) I know I've lost all my credibility now. I I guess this is as good a time as any to announce my resignation from Completely Arbitrary. Mine too. Uh, We're going to have dead air for the next season. The unseason, indeed. <laughs> the unseason. Oh, man. Casey, 
It's time for a completely arbitrary Q&A. <laughs> Today's question is from Jill Daniels. Well, what a fun way to start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jill says, hi, Alex and Casey. Hi, Jill. What up, Jill? I'm catching up on some episodes, so apologies if you've already covered this, but, Sounds well, good. good news for Jill. We cover things many times before. Lots of times. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on these devices that allow plants and their fungal associates to channel their energy to create music? If you were determined family tree, if you were, uh-oh, if you were your determined family trees, what planty noises would you make? What planting noises would I make? All Thank right. you from an aspiring plant toxicologist. Hey, Jill. all right. Thanks, Jill, for your question. You know some toxicologists. I don't even know what that is, but it sounds cool. I don't know what this music and fungal associate music thing is she's talking about. Okay, Casey, we're going to take a very short break. I'm going to show Casey this video, and we'll be right back. Casey. That's... That was a little much. <laughs> I have to say. Casey just discovered a new color that he doesn't know how to process. <laughs> it's uh, true. I feel like they're saying things to me. So Plant Wave is the brand name of this little synthesizer thing that basically, and here, and this is on their How It Works page on their website. Yeah. It detects slight electrical variations in a plant via two electrodes placed on the leaves. These variations are graphed as a wave, which is translated into pitch messages that play musical instruments designed by their team. Yeah. Other characteristics of the wave change the textural qualities of those sounds. The result is a continuous stream of pleasing music that gives you a sonic window into the secret life of plants. Casey, I think it's a little... <laughs> I think they're extrapolating a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> but, Alex... But it is nice. I, I love that you said extrapolating a little bit. Uh-huh. It's a perfect way to describe it. I got some fun things about this. Okay. There's, there's a book that I read many years ago that this immediately reminded me of. Wow. And literally, read that last sentence again. Okay. The result is a continuous stream of pleasing music that gives you a sonic window into the secret life of plants. Now, Google the secret life of plants. What do you find? I find a book. Yes. What's that book called? The Secret Life of Plants by Peter Tompkins. That is it, and Christopher Bird. Okay. Now, this book is about these same techniques that they're using on this, uh, what is it, plant, what was the name of this Plant product? wave. Plant wave. It's the same exact technique. Essentially, take diodes, put it onto a plant, and then what they did is instead of using a, um, basically transforming a very small electrical signal, which electricity goes through things, it, like trees get struck by lightning all the time because yeah. of water, water conducts electricity. Therefore, you can get a slight electrical um continuum through these diodes that you put on because if there is a little bit that can go through the leaves plant or the leaves uh, uh, cells through the water through the veins and vessels up to this other leaf and then go out the other node you get the tiniest little like thing that happens so what they did is uh, um, these experiments that the secret life of plants and this mm -hmm. book was written in 1973 um, this entire thing basically said plants are sentient 
and they know things, they can remember things, and they are not just like living, sitting there. Like you can detect plants crying. You can detect them uh, mm. having any amount of uh, pain or suffering or have a visceral reaction to you. And they did all sorts of funny things. I don't think I have this book anymore and I don't know what I did with it. Wow. I know I don't because I just moved. I looked through all my books. I would love to still have this book. Wow. I might just go out and buy one because I love it. The entire point of what they did is they, they took these same diodes that was on this, uh, this uh, machine, mm-hmm. and instead of putting those through um, a little synthesizer like what they're doing here, they put them into a uh, polygraph machine, like the oh, same lie detector okay. kind of test thing, and then they would do things to the plants and see how the plants responded. You know, the classic lie detector where, you know, if you're lying, you get, you're nervous and you get like this certain... physiological Uh reaction then that you can see that measurement in these changes horribly unscientific like yeah (laughs) lie detectors suck yeah they're just the worst things but they did the same thing and it was so interesting because they would literally say like they put a bunch of plants and they'd run these experiments where they would have like all the same plants like in terms of species Mm -hmm. spotted plants in in a room they'd walk in and they say they had two plants they'd walk in have some random person just officer say hey can we can we get you in here real fast they'd come in they'd say pick a plant doesn't matter which one just only one of them throw it on the ground destroy it step on it like absolutely obliterate that plant just come back up let us know when you're done and then the guy would come back out and then they would take that plant They'd put it into a room with other plants that are the same. Like, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart. And they would measure each one of the plants with a polygraph machine. And they'd say, okay, guy, go walk up to plant number one. Okay, thank you. Go walk up to plant number two. And they'd measure if the plant had any reaction to this person walking up. And then they claim when the person walked up to the plant that witnessed that person destroying that other plant... That, that the plant had this like polygraph machine reaction. They said, yes, based on this, this plant could not only tell that this person messed up that other plant. When he left the room and then came back, the plant recognized that that person is the thing that destroyed the other plant that it was right next to you, that it, quote, witnessed. I just hurt my eyes from rolling <laughs> them so hard. It's so good, though, isn't it? I, d- I don't know. <laughs> It was all stuff like that. Like I said, I wish I had this book because I would go home and read it immediately and we'd do an entire episode on it. Let's do it. Um, I'll order it right now. (laughs) The thing with it, though, is that... um, So, first off, I'm going to answer Jill's question. Thank you, Jill. I love these machines. Um, As Alex so succinctly put today, I think they're a little bit tacky. If you can get uh, any amount of electrical current from anything... Then it's just a, a kind of a silly way to to get an electrical current. You put it on, you know, your pinky finger and your thumb, and then you see what sine waves come out of it. Cool. That sounds great. I like it. I think it's fun. I like the color and I love the innovation. But it's kind of like um, someone took a ring of a tree uh, and they like put it, played it as if it was a record, and mm. they just took the record machine and put it right between a ring, which is essentially the darkest, like, later growth of a tree. It's not even a technical ring. It's just a higher concentration of little things. So they put it on there, and then they, like, press play, and you heard, like, this, ooh. Right. And there was, like, a knot or something, and every time I hit the knot, it was, like, goo. Yeah. Goo. And it was just, like, you listen to it once, and you're, like, okay, the fourth time, it should change. <laughs> And then it didn't, and you're just like, oh, my God, I hate this. Like, you just play, it's just like a, a record on repeat. It's a great idea. It has this, like, really cool artistic quality to yeah. it where someone's like, I'm trying to think outside the box. How can I represent the electricity that's running through a plant? 
cool you did it you did it in this in this cool way i think that's i think that's nice although i do find it a little tagging yeah i think i agree with you case i think it it, i'm too too much of a realist maybe it's like it was it was definitely it reminds me of something that was definitely made by tech people not by like botanical people yes yeah um it's also three hundred dollars. Hey, I guess uh, you know you you could if you could like uh, take that little synthesizer and then attach it to something else and make some cool music with it. Is yeah. it if this is like the Korg plant speak thing, that'd be awesome. I th- I just see it as like completely unnecessary and like they might be kind of preying on on a certain community. Yeah, who's just like, like, oh, I want to hear this. Yeah, yeah, and then you you do it once, and then that's it. You can imagine somebody like plugging it into their house plants, and like they they just start crying. <laughs> oh yeah, they're just the saddest thing. <laughs> Maybe I'm being a little cynical. <laughs> Maybe but, I don't know. Uh, yeah, thank you for your question, Jill. Yeah, great one. Go look up uh, the Secret Life of Plants by Peter Tompkin. Bring that thing back because I think it would be good. Yeah, and then uh, and then check out Plant Wave and let us yeah. know in the comments of this Instagram post what, what you it sounds think of like. It. Yeah, and put it onto your plants and. Tell Tell us what they sound like. Casey. Yes, Alex. We've done it again, my friend. We've found another way to bring pseudoscience into our podcast. (laughs) This has been episode one. I'm not even going to call it episode one. I'm just going to call it the first step. Yeah, episode. The first stepping stone in the bonsai nursery. Oh my gosh. You know, they zigzag them so that spirits can't follow you down a straight line. How about that? There you go. Well, on that. (laughs) We're going to zigzag our episodes here. (laughs) Uh, Case... Uh, here's to I would I would toast another uh, <laughs> shot of ma- of syrup, but I think I might vomit. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, here's to year two. Year two. The unseasoned. Everyone, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Bye. Completely arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 